saying is what they're saying is like we when you understand and see yourself clearly for what he, you see him clearly for what he's done for you and you see yourself clearly man your response is worship there's a there's just something in and it's what we're going to talk about a little bit today and it's funny that they went into all that but like <clears throat> recognizing what the blood of Jesus has done. It's done something to you and made you something in his sight so that you could have a relationship with him a certain way. But there is a, there is a giving of ourselves to that understanding and letting it have its full work in our lives. And that's what I long for us to see. And it's like sitting here when you're worshiping, it's you want... Like every time Jesus shows up, it's so crazy because it's like you're worshiping him. And then once he shows up, he starts to show you who you are while you're seeing him. Like, like Simon's talking about, you're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And when we look at him, he mirrors back to us what he's made us to be. Right? And it's the bride that's spotless and wrinkle-free. It's what he paid for. He paid for us to be spotless and wrinkle-free. Not just in his sight, but in our sight also. Right? We should walk down the aisle with confidence, knowing that we're spotless and we're wrinkle-free. And man, it's, it's what I want to get into a little bit today, but it's like what Jesus paid for such... Man, he paid for us to live a life that's completely free of guilt, completely free of, of the stain of sin, completely free of who we used to be, to where we can live completely free because of the blood of Jesus. So look at Hebrews chapter... Um, Forgive me for having to read too much scripture today, but we're in church. Paul wrote literal epistles, and he said, read this in the church. And I'm sure they just didn't read Ephesians chapter 1 and stop, because there wasn't any chapters. It was a letter, right? They probably in the early church just read it and said, all right, let's go back to eating. But Hebrews chapter 7, um, I felt like we needed to continue what I shared on a couple weeks ago, um, and we're going to get there, but there is a, and I, it was funny because as I was reading, the Lord just kind of sat on, on my heart, and it was a boldness to come before him. He says, let us have, therefore have boldness to enter the holiest of holies, right? And it's in Hebrews chapter 10. But he says, um, come having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And I said, I was like, is boldness the, the norm in a Christian's relationship with Jesus? And we all were like, no, that's not the norm. And that means that we don't truly understand the blood and what he's done. Because he paid for it with his blood for us to be bold in his presence. Not arrogant, but bold. Because of something that wasn't you, it was because of the boldness that you have in the blood of Jesus being pure, right? That's why we sing, like, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Because nothing that you could do to ever give, give you anything but freedom, or anything but, nothing that you could ever do could give you freedom, nothing but the blood of Jesus could, right? So the boldness that you have to have in the presence of the Lord is only going to come from an understanding of what Jesus has done in the blood of what, he, the, his perfect spotless blood for you. So that when you come to him, I believe that there's a confidence in the body of Christ and a boldness that needs, that is yet to be revealed because of a, a lack of an understanding of the righteousness of God. Because like Proverbs says, the righteous are bold as a lion. <clears throat> We're always looking for boldness 
we should just really see who we are clearly and give ourselves to that understanding. Does that make sense? And I believe that it's something that I've just been thinking about it a lot. It's like if we are, if we, if we leave this place and we enjoy what we just enjoyed and we leave this place and we don't shut our, if we can't shut our door and have boldness and confidence before the Lord when there's nobody around, then we're missing what he paid for. Right? If, if, you're, if you're missing out on when you're, there's nobody around and it's quiet and you feel confident and bold before the Lord because of what he's done and you're thankful for what he's done, then you are missing what Jesus paid for. Right? And I'm about to show you. Like the, the gathering is amazing, but Hebrews chapter 10 at the end talks about, let us not, therefore let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because of all he's like, what we just said, he's saying don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together in order to stir yourself up in this understanding and this revelation. That when there's nobody around, you're bold before the Lord and you're confident before him. Right? Like, man, we, we got to be people that when we shut our door, we're confident that he's good. We're confident that he's, what, we're confident in what he's done. And if we're failing to do that and we're failing to, to, to live that life before him, then we're not seeing something clear in what he's done for us. And we're missing what he's paid for. Right? I say it all the time and I pray, the, pray to the Lord all the time. I'm like, don't let me miss entirely what you've done for me. Don't let me miss an, a little bit of what you've done. Let me live in the fullness of, of what your sacrifice has accomplished in me. So look at Hebrews chapter 7. Um, I'm going to jump around because... Uh, man, this is going to be hard. Hebrews chapter 7, verse. We don't have time to read all of Hebrews, though we should, to make sense of this. But So I'm going to jump around, and I for, forgive me. But Verse 18, it says, For on the one hand there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. He's talking about the, the former commandment of the law and the Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament, of what it looks like in the Old Testament. It's just funny, like what Michael said. He's like, the Old Testament wasn't done, in, done away with, but it's a revel the New Testament is the revelation of the God's heart in the Old Testament. Right? In the Old Testament, man sinned. Man caused separation from God. God sets up the Old Testament law and the priesthood to where he could still have a relationship with man because the priest would minister and they would sacrifice animals on behalf of people so it would cover people's sins so that God could have a relationship with man still, right? It, but it was all pointing to a perfect sacrifice of Jesus, which was what God's heart was originally for people to have relationship with him. But they couldn't do it because of sin and there wasn't a man that would stand in the place and, and die in this person's place so that they could be free from sin, Right? That's all the Old Testament just summed up right there in one, one statement. It's like God's original, God wants relationship with man. That's why he created man. He created man to walk with him in the cool of the day, free from sin, free from anything but relationship with, with God. Right? Adam didn't have any other, revel, any other understanding of just him and God, but naked. You know what I'm saying? Had no, no awareness. People always say like he was clothed with glory and stuff and 
my personal belief is he was butt naked because that's what the Bible says. It says, and he was naked. It doesn't say he was clothed with glory and he was naked underneath. It says he was naked. That's what the Bible says. So I believe he was bare butt naked. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Valor can say naked. So I'm always like, we're making fun. He's like, naked. He'll see, he'll see Stella like getting changed naked. But then I'm like, I was in my, like, I got out of the shower, walked to the room. He's like, naked daddy. I'm like, I'm like, shut up, dude. But man had no, and this is what's so pure, and this is what's so amazing, is Adam shows us what God's intention was for man, was man to live in the presence of God with no, no self-awareness, right? Because self-awareness dies in the presence of God. That's why, that's why self-awareness is the enemy of worship. It's really good. Self-awareness is the enemy of worship. Self-awareness is the enemy of connection. Right? When you're self-aware, it's really hard for you to connect with somebody because you're thinking about yourself. Right? That's why the freest people in the world have no idea about themselves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? Like, you ever met somebody, like, they're just, like, not aware of themselves? Right? It's like Tyler. <laughs> Tyler's free because he doesn't think about himself. We realized, me and Taylor was like, why is Tyler? Because we used to like set nice things out. Like we remember when we set, when Tyler came and visited from Colorado when he was still living there and we put a white tablecloth on. Tyler pours a whole glass of grape juice and knocks it over on the white tablecloth. And I was like, Tyler is so aware of people. He loves people so much that he doesn't, he's not aware of himself or his own body. For real. It's Jesus, right? Jesus wasn't clumsy, but Jesus was not aware of himself because he was only concerned about the, like, seriously, like, in a world full of cats, be a dog. Think about that. In a world full of cats where everyone, it's all about them, be a dog, right? Your golden retriever never thinks about himself. Whoever walks through the door, dude's spectacular. You know what I'm saying? This guy's the greatest person in the world. Cats, all they think about is themselves. Demons. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just kidding, Linda V, wherever she's at. She, she but for real, though, self-awareness is the enemy of worship. Because that's why, that's why, if you think about it, and it happens to me all the time, you'll just feel the Lord just come and start to touch you in worship, and immediately what comes up is all these thoughts about yourself, where you're not, where you're missing it, whatever. All these things start, that's because... That's, it's the enemy of worship, right? So the enemy knows that if he can get you to start thinking about yourself and where you're not and what you're doing, where you're missing, all that stuff, it, it, it blocks your view of him. And that's why Jesus wanted to take away, that's why the blood of Jesus can cleanse your conscience of dead works. We talked about it. Cleanse your conscience of sin. He doesn't want a consciousness of sin in his presence. But that we have to understand the revelation of the blood for that to be, for that to be the case, Right? That's why you can sit here and be like, all these things can come to you and you just be like, man, Father, I'm thankful that you set me free from all that. And it puts your focus back on what he's done. But if you don't understand that, that's why the Old Testament law could never take away sin. The Old Testament law had a, had, we're going to read it, has a remembrance of sin every time. You bring a sacrifice because of the, you're there because of the sin. Right? You're there at the temple because of sin to give a, I mean, they came for prayer also, but they came the sacrifice that they brought was for 
the sin that they committed. And it's so amazing that Jesus, right, the Father brought the sacrifice for Jesus. He brought Jesus to the table when you didn't want him. So when you came, the sacrifice has already been done, paid for, now let's just worship. Right? Super good. And he's the priest. Right? He's the now the priest, and he's the sacrifice. So when you come, you meet him. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm going to show you the sacrifice. Just put your pigeon down. You don't need it. It's already done deal. Right? Put, your, put your self-inflicted wounds down. You don't need it. Because he's, he's already, like, the blood's already done. It's already paid for. He's like, you don't need to add to this. Right? That's why Paul talks about it. He's like, there is no other sacrifice. If one sacrifice took away all the sins, then we don't need to bring another one. And that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. It's like, we don't need to bring self-punishment because we made a mistake. We just need to come to the high priest and let him show us the sacrifice that's already on the altar. Right? But that's amazing because that's why Jesus, that's why when you come to God, you always have to come through the veil of his flesh, right? He's the door, veil, door, whatever you want to say. He's the door that you walk through so that you can have a relationship with God, right? <coughs> it's good what, <clears throat> excuse me, it's what Nathaniel prayed in pre-service prayer. Did I turn it on now? Is it on or off? Shop up. Um, it's what you prayed in pre-service prayer is like, let's, let's set aside the reasons why we're coming to him that we think are all right. Like my Bible reading, my time with you, and just know that it's connection with the heart, however you said it. How'd you say that? Right. The closeness of our hearts be the indicator of our relationship, not just, not just what we think we are doing well or not doing well. Because it's based on the, on the blood of Jesus. It's not based on you. So look at this, Hebrews. <clears throat> but so that Old Testament, what he was talking about, because of its weakness and its unprofitableness. I'm not trying to downplay the Old Testament, but the Bible says that it was weak and it's unprofitable because it could make nobody perfect. It was a tutor. It was teaching you to bring you to Christ, right? It was a shadow of things to come. There's a better covenant built on better promises, Right? For the law made nothing perfect. This is so crazy to me. This is why it says that it was weak and unprofitable. It's because God's intention was for us to be perfect in his sight. Sorry, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, or 18, 19. If you were prophetic, you would have known that. For the law made nothing perfect. <clears throat> On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. He's talking about the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. It's, this is the hope. There's a hope that we draw near to God based on his blood, not on, not on the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, not on the good works of you, right? It's the drawing near of the blood of Jesus. But it's the better promise. It's the better covenant. So many times people just like, they, they throw out the Old Testament when the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture. That's why I believe Paul ripped the Old, I would love to hear him preach on the Old Testament. I would love to hear Paul just like, I mean, he's writing it all out right here in Hebrews. That's his 
well, my personal opinion, Paul wrote Hebrews, but he's, he's right, somebody's writing this out that had a good understanding of the Hebrew of the Old Testament is because it's all a type and shadow of Jesus, right? I love to look at the Old Testament and just see like, holy cow, this is like painted, it's a big, everything's a big glowing neon sign pointing to him, right? That's why I love it, like I always talk about it, is like we're wrapped up in his story, right? That's what, that, that song that Lily started to sing is like, we're headed to a wedding day and it's really, like that's what we're alive for. We're alive to, to meet him one day and stand before him. So let's make sure our lives are worthy of the gospel. So don't do something now that's not, that's not going to make a lot of sense later. Right? Don't live for something now that's not going to matter in eternity. And everything that we do can, be, can, can matter for eternity. Verse 20. <clears throat> it says, And as much as he was not made priest, Jesus, without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he will, or he with an oath by him who said to him, by him who said to him, right? So God who said to Jesus, the Lord has sworn and will not relent, relent you are forever, or priests forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, which we can't get into. By so much more, this is what I want us to see, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. You understand that the covenant that God made you understand what a covenant is? What is it? You should tell us. What's a covenant, Jared? <clears throat> Chuck, I think Nathaniel just said it really well. It's a contract. It's a marriage um, coming together of two people joining themselves together. Um, a lot of the times it's the weaker and the greater coming together so that the greater can cover the weaker. It's basically all that is mine is yours and all that is yours is mine. There's not two anymore, but there's one. Mm -hmm. It's a covenant. Super good, right? We have to under, and this is what is kind of the issue in the Western mindset is covenants were a big deal back then. Right when you cut it, when you made a covenant with somebody, it was till till death do you part. And if you made a covenant with like another tribe, it was like okay, like if you if another tribe attacks you, you attack me. If you if somebody attacks your house, they attack my house. Right. So it's like that's why you would cut covenants with people, usually blood covenants. But when you cut covenants with people, it was like, well, I'm not going to attack Jared's house because I know Jared's get, getting backed by all these other people right, that he's in covenant with. Super good for us to understand that. And it wasn't just like, we, we kind of treat things as very flippant, and it's not like that at all in the, God, in, in, the, in the Old Testament and Eastern culture is the same way. It's not a, it is a very hefty decision to come in covenant with somebody. Like, because like Jared said, all that's mine is now yours, and all that's yours is now mine, and we're one, right? But we have to understand that this new covenant that was cut on behalf of us was between God and Jesus because he came as man and he represented man for us, which is incredible. We're the, we're, we, he's the surety of the covenant that God made with man now. That's a, that's, that's a good day. And that's why we have boldness to draw near in his presence is because it's not based on our works. It's not based on our ability. It's not based on what we've done. It's based on what he's done. Jesus stood in the gap for man and made a covenant with God. It's amazing. I love that. So, 
Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, verse 23, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from concerning or from continuing in the Old Testament. But he, Jesus, because he continues forever, right? Has an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus is still alive today, did not die and will never die. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, who has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Right? Jesus is, and this is what I think we have to understand in the body of Christ, and we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago, but Jesus is the high priest of the new covenant for us. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. He sits at the right hand of God and makes intercession for man. So that when we come to God, Jesus is the one that's able to save us to the uttermost. If we understand that. When we come to God, we get to come to God through the person of Jesus. And he's the one that's able to save to the uttermost. And this is something that I just feel like people kind of get. Um, like. If we believe that when we come to Jesus, that there are some things that just might not be able, not, might not change, I think that that's just huge deception of the enemy. Because the Bible says that if we come to God through Jesus, that he's able to save to the uttermost, not to the halfmost, right? Because sometimes I think that we're just like, well, we're, like they're saved, but they're still going to struggle with, with this. Or they're saved, but they're, they still have a little bit of this. And it's like, I think that we just need to come to him to the uttermost, or come to him and let him do it to the uttermost. I think that, and I was talking to, maybe I wasn't talking to these, our guys about it the other night, maybe, you guys can correct me. Um, it's like, I was talking to Charlotte about it while we were driving. Um, Charlotte's my sister-in-law, she's in town from Norway. You want to wave? <laughs> she doesn't speak English, so, <laughs> so you can't say hi to her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. When Taya messes up anything in English, I'm always just like, are you good? Do you speak English? <laughs> um, and she'll only say something like wrong, not even close to being wrong, but um, it's like everything that God has is available for everybody. He's not picking and choosing some people to be free and some people not to be free, right? He's not picking for like some things to change off of people and other things that kind of like take a long time. I think we just position ourselves wrong, is what I think. Because if that would be the case, then God's a respecter of persons, and the Bible says he's not a respecter of persons. Right? Because he wouldn't just, like, choose, like, Hannah to be free from this, but then Nate's going to struggle with this for a while, and whatever we say is going to perfect character in him or something stupid like that. That's, that's just dumb. Right? But I think what happens is Hannah has come to God through Jesus, I know some people might got mad about stupid. That's a stupid idea. That God's perfecting something through sin. Why would he need to perfect through sin when he can perfect it through his voice? 
right? Like Jesus says, you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Not because I, not because I let you struggle with sin or struggle with addiction or struggle with sickness or whatever. He says, you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you, right? That's foolishness to believe otherwise. <clears throat> That's just a terrible dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would we, why would you want to come, why would you want to come to a God like that? Think about that. That doesn't, that's what I'm saying is that if what you believe about Jesus or what you believe about God doesn't produce, doesn't produce peace, life, and push you closer to him, then it's not from him. Right? Because a lot of times people are like, well, God's teaching me this through, you know, he's teaching me a lesson through all this. And I'm like, are you, are you closer to him in your relationship with him? Are you more fruitful? Are you experiencing more life and peace and joy? And most of the time, it's not the case. So I'm like, it can't be God then. Right? Like God doesn't put this sickness on somebody to teach them how to trust them. I think he uses a lot of what the enemy is doing and turns it around for good. But I don't think that he, it's not his heart and his will. Right? <clears throat> but I think, so in this case, I think the issue is, is Hannah has committed herself and positioned herself to come to God through Jesus, who is the surety of a new covenant, more so than Nate has positioned himself to come to God through Jesus. Does that make sense? Because it says he's able to save to the uttermost those who come, those who come to him. So Nate needs to position himself to come to him for that same, it might be the same situation, but Hannah's positioned herself to come to him and be like, man, I want freedom from this. I need change from this. I want, I want to know everything that I need to know so that I don't have to live like this because that's not what I want. Nate, and then we say, well, Nate's been, you know, God did something amazing in Hannah, but he didn't do it in Nate. I would argue that Nate didn't come to him in the same way Hannah did, right? Because I don't think the issue is on God's side. I think it's on our side. I think it takes us coming to him with the same, with a heart posture of humility because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? And coming to, coming to him with a position of humility and then there's freedom in that area. This is why it's so important is because that opens the door for anybody all across the board to be free. Does that make sense? That's why I struggle with that, mind, that mindset is because if it's a case that sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't and God chooses and kind of picks and chooses, then you might be the one he chooses not to, Right? Do you, see how that's, do you see how that's foolish? Because then it would be God is a respecter of persons and he picks and chooses some, and it's not the case. But if it is open to everybody and it's all like the promise is open to the believer and if you believe, then you can receive, then all it really is going to take and when it's all said and done, it's going to be those who believe and those who don't believe. Those who trusted what he said and, and received the promise and those who didn't. Right? Because, I mean, we go into Hebrews and it says, by faith and patience, they inherited the promise. Right? But that levels the playing field where it's open, available to everybody. And it's not... So think about this. It's God with his children, just as good to every single one of them. But the ones that choose to come to him and have a relationship with him are going to experience the fruit, the fruit and the freedom that is found in his goodness. And if you don't choose it, then at, when it's all said and done, it's on you. It's not on anyone else. Does that make sense? I think that we kind of like, and I'm not, it's like in regards to the grace of God and the, and the freedom of God, I think sometimes we miss like the personal responsibility to receive that freedom and that grace, right? Because it's, it's one thing to, 
Yeah, it, I think it, I think there's a. I think that there's a saving and a coming to God. Well, you just think. Hebrews chapter six or eleven, it says. You know, those who diligently. You guys can turn there if you want to read it really quick. It says Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, which is one of the best verses in the whole Bible. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's kind of a mirror verse of what, of what Luke chapter 11 talks about when Jesus is saying, he's like, knock and it will be open to you, seek and you'll find, ask and, the, ask and it will be given. And it's like, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm doing all these things and we're not seeing any, any, any answers. And it's like, a lot of times, and this is what is, I've realized is like, we start to pull, we start to pull for straws, like why that's not happening or why we're not seeing the answer. And it's like, the Bible promises that if you diligently seek him, you will find him. So I've come to the realization that I'm like, I'm probably just not seeking him like I say I am. Or I am probably haven't positioned my heart in the way, in the sense of I haven't really settled. And if we're honest, I think that that's where a lot of us would be. It's just like we're saying we're doing all the right things and seeking him, but we're not. Like Nate and Hannah in the same situation, like Nate hasn't really let Jesus come in and take that thing out. Like he's, he hasn't really let go of whatever it is it's holding on, he's holding on to. Right? There's been times in my life where I'm like, like I, I remember I was, I was in a job and I was struggling in like finances and I was like doing all this stuff and stressing and all these things. And I'm like, Lord, how am I going to make more money? How am I going to do this and do that? And I'm literally like, because I'm like a planner, a fixer. Like I have 40 ideas a week about what we can do to change the world. And then I flush like 39 of them to 40 of them every week. Or I'm like, somebody else, that's, I don't have enough time to invent this, you know, thing to catch the hair in the shower while I'm in there. Like, all that stuff kind of comes to me. You know what I mean? Like, every single week, like, Taya's just like, she, she knows because she lives with me. Like, I have, I have ideas. Like, Cassidy sat me down one time. She's like, do you, like, have all these ideas all the time? Or is this just, like, every once in a while? Because I feel like I don't think like that. I'm like, I have, like, 50 ideas a week of, like, ideas of what we can do. But... So I'm like, you know, figuring out how I can start like a multi-million dollar business out of this invention and all this stress in my life. And, and I just like came to the realization, I was like, all right, Lord, like, so I like, I'm talking like weeks of me like struggling financially, um, talking through it, trying to figure out what to do. And uh, I just remember I sat with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, like you told me to seek first your kingdom and all these things will be added to, added to me. And I just settled in my heart. I'm like, I'm going to seek first your kingdom. Like, that's what you've called me to do. And you said that you would take care of me and all these things would be added to me. I was like, I don't care if I don't have, you know, two pennies to rub together. I don't, like, you said that you're going to take care of me. And the job I was at, that I, like, I wasn't making enough money. I literally like, all right, Lord, like, it doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I just settled it in my heart in that moment. And then literally that day, like, my boss gave me a raise. I was like, hey, I just want to let you. I'm like, why did it take me three weeks to, like, struggle with this? And the Lord's like, because you, like, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I finally let that thing go. And that's what I think is the issue is, like, we don't let it go. And then we're wondering why it won't, like, 
why it won't, you know, whatever. And it's like, if there's something that we struggle with, like, we have to come to him and be like, hey, whatever it takes, you've got to cut it out of me. Like, whatever, I don't care how bad I think it hurts in the moment, like, you just got to tell me the truth and I'm done with it. Like, and I think that people position themselves for that. Like, leaders, and this is what I wanted to encourage us with, too. I don't know why. I thought about it in pre-service. It's like, anyone, it's funny because, like, especially in regards to, like, like Paul talks about it in Timothy, it says, he who desires the position of an elder has desired a good work. So that means that elders have positioned themselves and desired for something. They're like, I want to be a leader. I want to position myself, head in that direction of leading and shepherding people. They're positioning themselves, and he's saying, that's a good thing that you're desiring that. That means that leaders position themselves for leadership, right? I think that everyone, because I think it's available for everybody, but I think true leaders, when there's nobody around, God has seen what they're doing in secret, and then he raises them up in, in due time, right? And we're all just like, how did that person, I'm like, you don't realize what they do in their bedroom when there's nobody around for the last 20 years, right? They're positioning themselves in humility, and God's raising them up. So it's like, in leadership, it's available for everybody. Like, wh what God has for everybody is available for everybody, but I think we have to position ourselves for it, right? And I think a lot of people just haven't positioned themselves for it, and they're like, how come? And, and God's not the one at fault. Does that make sense? That's a side note. <clears throat> so I think that when we come to him, we have to come to him. And it's just funny that, well, jump over. We're going to keep reading. Um, man, there's so much here, and I don't even know what to do. Do you guys care if we read a lot of scripture in, in church or no? This is so good. So in uh, verse chapter nine, verse six it says, "Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services, but into the second part of the high, the high priest went alone." once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. Right, we just read about it. The Holy Spirit, or the, the high priest would take a sacrifice into the holiest place once a year on Passover, and he would sacrifice for his sins and for the sins of the people so that God would have relationship with man. Jesus was crucified on Passover for the sins of the people once and for all, and he's about to show you. But it's funny that they only went into that holiest place once, once a year. It wasn't open all the time, and only one person could do it. It says the Holy Spirit in verse 8, indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regards to what? Conscience concerned only with the foods and drinks and various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Welcome to the reformation. But Christ came as the high priest of good things to come with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation, not with the blood of bulls and, or goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place for once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. 
This is incredible to me that Jesus died for the sins, past, present, and future sins of all mankind in one sacrifice, eternally. Because he went for the sake of man as the high priest on behalf of man and sacrificed himself, which I was thinking, I don't know how that all fleshed out, like physically with blood and Jesus and himself being the sacrifice, but it was awesome, right? I think a lot of times, like, and this is what I was, I was laughing about, was like, people like try to nitpick the word of God so much. And I'm just like, like, that's why Jesus says that you need to be like a child or you'll never see it. It's like, if God was like, they're like, well, you ever hear people talk about how Jonah and the whale wasn't a real, wasn't a real story? And they'll be like, well, that was just like this and that. And I'm like, Jesus seemed to think it was a real story when he told them that as Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days, so I'll be in the, in the, in the, in the earth for three days. So he seemed to think like it was a, it was a real story or he was just, you know, just as crazy as everybody else that believes that. Um, but I'm like the dude that's like, if the Bible was like, and then Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd be like, that's crazy. I can't believe that that happened. Like, you know what I'm saying? But those are the type of people, that's what Jesus is looking for. If I'm honest, like, like as I think about it, if you walked with Jesus, your mind would be absolutely incredibly blown every single day, right? It wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be close. It wouldn't be like, that was kind of could have happened. Like, no, it talks about the maimed, the lame, the blind, the deaf, all of them. Boom, 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 boom. You'd be like, dude, I don't even know. Like, I would be sitting by the fire, like at night, like, what the heck? Like, we, we, the one time we were in L.A., this is a long story, I can't get into it, but we prayed for a bunch of people in this hospital, and we saw a ton of people get healed. Like, I sat by the fire and just cried for, like, two hours. And I was just, and it was, most of it was just, like, I mean, it was amazing healings, but most of it was just, like, most of it were not, like, in your face. You could see them, like, the dude didn't have an arm and it grew out. Or, like, this guy was in a wheelchair, there was blind eyes. All It wasn't like those ones, and I'm still sitting just weeping, looking at the fire, and everyone's like, are you good? I'm, like, I'm, I'm not good right now. I'm like, if I was just with Jesus, like, one day, that would be, it'd blow my, it'd blow my mind. It wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be, I don't even know how I'd wake up the next day or, like, cope with myself. You know what I'm saying? Jesus was probably just the funniest dude in the world. Like, did you see that junk right there? Like, awesome <clears throat> but we just need people that can just believe it man I don't know how I got on all this but I was thinking about it too like these are some thoughts for you guys just to like I meditate on this is like Jesus is like he's like hey my you know my daughter's sick she's dying and then they come and they're like hey she's dead and he's just like the guys that are running with me he's like hey you guys just come with me like he's not like hey I need backup he's just like hey just come check this out and see what this is going to look like for you guys like, so that you guys can do it later. You know what I mean? Just I want, you, I want you to see what it looks like for you. That's all he's doing. Like, Jesus is not like, hey, Nate, Luke, Jared, I need you guys to pray in tongues behind me so that I can make sure that this goes down well. You know what I mean? Or maybe the Lord's going to speak to you and we'll know what to do in this situation. Like, Jesus is, he's going to raise the girl up. You know what I'm saying? It's like with Lazarus is dead, he's like, we're going to raise this guy up. He's like, he's dead. I'm glad for your sake so that you'll see and you'll understand. I'm, we're going to raise him up. And I'm like, okay. They were doing rolls of stone away from the grave. You're just like sitting there as his disciple, like, like, you know what I mean? Like my buddy Paul, I told you, my buddy Paul prayed for this lady. She didn't have disc in her back. And he says, it was on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. He said, got a word about it. She didn't, no one told us. She, he told her that this is what happened in her life. She's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, we're going to pray and God's going to put two discs in your back. And if he doesn't, then you don't need to believe in him. Just like that. He's like, 
because he's either alive or he's dead. And today we celebrate whether he's alive or not. And I'm like sitting there like, I can't believe that dude just says <laughs> out loud. He prays and that girl touches her back and just weeps and walks away. Like she didn't even know how to handle it. Like she's like literally shocked. And I was like, I can't believe what I just saw right there. And I was like, I pulled him aside. I'm like, well, I can't believe you said that. He goes, I couldn't believe I said that. <laughs> He's like, when I said that out loud, I was like, what did I just say? That was stupid. But Jesus didn't, I mean, Jesus, absolute no. Yeah, he's incredible. He's an incredible man. Um, I don't know how we got on all that. Uh, yeah, not with blood of bulls and goats. <clears throat> not with blood of goats and calves in verse 12 of chapter 9. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. That's a lot of words right there for you guys. Verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Go to John chapter 20. <clears throat> this is what I want us to see. Is that forever, eternally, you have a place in the presence of God and in a relationship with God based on the blood of Jesus, not based on your life or your circumstances or your promise or your failures or your your amazing, righteous deeds. And I think that when we understand this, that like, the way, well, let's just read this. This is so good. And then we'll get into all this that I don't want to say. Jesus resurrects from the dead. No big deal. <clears throat> He's, there's an empty tomb. So good, dude. Man, this is really good. We should read all of this because I think it's pertinent to us. says on the ver verse one it says now on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb this is so incredible because like it was the day before was the Sabbath and that's why they were all resting right right before the the day even is over Mary Magdalene because she's madly in love with Jesus right is just run into the tomb just like and I like she doesn't I mean, from, from the way that she's, like, responding, doesn't really think that she was going there to see that he was resurrected. She was just going there to, like, you know, just, I don't know, just be as close as she can to where he, he is. That's awesome to me. You know what I mean? Like, and it's so funny, they're like, Mary Magdalene, whom, whom he cast out seven devils from. Like, that's how they introduced her. This woman had seven devils, now she kicks it with us. Like, she's rocking with us. 
And she's like, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. But it says, then she ran and came to Simon. So she sees that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran and said to Simon and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. John, he's great. He's like the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Had said to him, John's talking about himself if we don't understand that. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they had laid him. Therefore, Peter went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. That's my favorite verse. In the... Peter's just, like John's writing this gospel just to let everybody know I beat Peter to the tomb. <laughs> right. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, and he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in its place by itself. So good, too. He's like, Jesus raises, takes off his grave clothes, and like folds it up and pats it down. Like, I'm good. Like, so when you guys come and see, just let everybody know I folded it up, and it's nice. I love Jesus. I think he's amazing. But <clears throat> but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and saw the and saw and believed. So good, John. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had, had lain. And they said to her, Women, why are you weeping? She said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, This is so much in the scripture, I just... I feel like gravity's pulling me in. Like Jesus is back, supposing him to be the gardener. He's back in the garden, just accomplished what we all lost, and now he's back in the garden with a woman, right? So good. He's like, sir, supposing him to be the gardener, <clears throat> right? And he's brought us back. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is translated teacher. So crazy. Like once Jesus speaks who you truly are, then you understand who you truly are. Or then you'll see him clearly. Right? Once he speaks your name, because he, he's the only one that really knows who you are. Once he, once he speaks and shows you who you are, then you'll re really have a revelation of who he is. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. And this is what I want us to see. For I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and he had spoken these things to her. So Jesus, <clears throat> raised from the dead. This is so good. Jesus raised from the dead, sees Mary, weeping, stops and talks to her. And he says, he says, don't cling to me for I've not yet ascended to my father. Or I've not yet ascended to God. Because what we just read is what Jesus accomplished after his resurrection. What we just read in Hebrews is 
Jesus had not yet ascended to take his blood into the final mercy seat in heaven for all mankind. That's what he's saying. But he's saying to Mary, he's saying, hey, just go tell my brethren, the guys that all just abandoned me, go tell my bros, right? Not mad at them. He says, go tell my brethren, the ones that are just like me now, because they're about to believe and become just like me. He says, go tell them that I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. That's so good. Because Jesus is going to, eter- to, to settle eternally, forever, that this is your God and this is my God. And this is your Father and this is my Father because I'm on behalf of you making a way for you to have a relationship with the Father. Right? Incredible. Jesus literally raised from the dead. He's yet to go into heaven to do what he was supposed to do with the blood, with the blood and his sacrifice and finish the, the thing where he's going to open all of relationship with God forever for you. And now keep reading. Verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, when the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this to them, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them very Pentecostally and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's so good. This is so good. So Jesus, they show up. They're, they're gathered for fear of the Jews, right? They're not gathering because they're excited for Jesus to raise from the dead. They're scared. And the, the door is all being shut. Jesus shows up in the room. This is, we have enough time. This is another thought I think about. Is these disciples in the first church 100% believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Would you agree? Right? Well, some of them doubted. I doubt that. That's what it says. And before the Holy Spirit came, it says some doubted. So, at the end of Mark, I think. But, they also believed that Jesus could show up at any time and do whatever he wanted to do because he was alive, he wasn't dead. And I think that that's what makes them so incredibly powerful and absolutely insanely dangerous to everybody else is because God was with those people and God is with us, but we don't, I don't think we see that clearly. That Jesus literally like walked into the room when they needed him. And like Jesus would show up to Paul and he'd show like they believed that he was alive and that like the Holy Spirit was moving in the midst and revealing Jesus and actually showing up and doing amazing things all the time like it wasn't like they were so distant from the Lord they actually saw the risen Lord right I believe that like the church is going to start to step back into that to where we start to believe that Jesus is in our midst that's what makes us different right like there was a there was a little group of people that literally crushed the Roman Empire because of what they believed and who was with them. Like, you look at what the fall of the Roman Empire was, it was because of Christianity. Like, these couple uneducated guys literally turned the world, like the, the, the greatest empire in the world at that time, upside down because of who was with them. And they, like, literally, Emperor and Nero, they feared them guys. They, like, what do you do with people that you try to kill and they don't care if you kill them? 
What do you do? Like, what do you do with like, what do you do with Paul, where he's just like, "Kill me." He's like, "Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love to go be with Jesus." All right, we'll keep you alive. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. That's going to be dangerous for you. You know what I'm saying? What do you do with a guy like that, where he's just like, "Well, we're going to kill you." He's like, "I would love that. It'd be great. Let's do it today." You know what I'm saying? And then the next, and then they're like, "Well, no, we're going to put you in jail." Okay. Well, then give me a pen and paper, and the rest of the world's going to see what what God is about. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that was what was absolutely set them apart. And I think that that's what we're stepping into is that's, what's, that's what, what, what will set us apart when we truly understand that. Is that the only thing that get, makes us any different from anybody else is that God is with us. It's the only thing. Is God is in our midst and he's with us. Right? So we start to experience things that only God can explain or only, that can only be explained by God. And that Jesus is there in the midst. That's awesome. But he shows up and he says, peace, he says, peace be with you. Right? He says it twice, too. He says, peace be with you, and then peace to you. It's because Jesus came and just accomplished what we just read in Hebrews chapter 9, that he settled once and for all the sin issue between man and God. He settled once and for all with his blood, one sacrifice forever. The blood of Jesus is speaking better things. So now he can come to these guys who were separated from God because of what they have done and with no hope of, no hope of change. No hope of reconciliation. And he can say, peace to you. Peace be with you. Because of one settlement of saying, I'm going to my God and your God. I'm going to my Father and your Father. And I've come and now he's saying there's peace to you. And then he says, I'm also sending you out with the same, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Because he's saying, what the Father just did through me, I'm sending you out to proclaim peace to other people. Right? These guys, Jesus established something with, these, with mankind forever. In this John chapter 20, he's saying right here, he's like, there is nothing separating you from God and man anymore. There's, nothing that, there's no way that when you stand before God that there'll ever be anything but peace for you if you truly see clearly. Right? So Jesus is the mediator, the high priest, and he's saying, I'm the one that's going to make sure that it's always going to be that way because I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father and make intercession for you, and I'm the high priest that's in between you and God forever. And this is what's so crazy. I'm going to finish with this. Go back to, to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Question mark. Right? If the Old Testament was, was what God intended, then they would have, the sacrifices would have done what they needed to do and have relationship with God. For the worshipers, that's us, once purified would have no more consciousness of sins, which is what God is intending. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire that's crazy. That's not God's desire with sacrifice and offering, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sins, you had no pleasure in. Because it never accomplished what God wanted it to accomplish, right? It never accomplished what Lily's up there singing, where you can come before him unveiled, no, no spot, no wrinkle. Like what Simon shared is so good, is because that's what he wanted to accomplish. That's what Jesus wanted. That's what the Father wanted for his, for his, his children, to where Jared can stand before him just like Adam, butt naked with no shame, right? 
he can stand before him completely free, completely, absolute, no, no consciousness of sins because there's no spot or wrinkle and come down with a veil on his face and be super happy to see him, right? That's what he wanted to accomplish. But the, but the Old Testament sacrifices couldn't accomplish that. They were only pointing in a shadow of what was to come. You had no pleasure in. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings for sins you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Right? He takes away the first so that he may establish this truth in the second. And it says, by that will. What will? By the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering... He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And this is what I want us to see is that what Jesus is, or what the writer of Hebrews is saying, is that by this will, Jesus did what he did, is that that was God's intention was for man to stand before him pure with no consciousness of sins. It was God's intention for him to come, for, for Jesus to pay a price and stand as the high priest, as the mediator of the new covenant to where you can come to him forever now, forever and always, that you can always come to him in your time of need. You can always come to him in your time of need. If you think about this right here, that Jesus paid the price between God and man forever, and now you if you come to him, he's able to save you from the uttermost. So now that whatever, whatever the problem is, whatever the issue is, you can come to Jesus knowing that the basis that you're standing on is the blood of Jesus. The basis that you're standing on is the sacrifice of Christ. And his job as the high priest that's actually fulfilling the will of God of what his desire is, is to save you from the uttermost of everything that, that sin has done to you. Does that make sense? That the blood of Jesus has made the way for you to come Jesus is now alive and well to actually initiate and establish and continue to sanctify, separate, transform, heal, deliver, whatever it is that we need to be done. He's alive and well to actually fulfill the will of God still continually today. And this is where I think we miss it as the church is like, we're like, yeah, the blood of Jesus has made me free. But if we understood that, then we would draw near with our hearts. Like that's what Nathaniel was saying is, it wouldn't be, well, yeah, the blood of Jesus has made me free. Now I'm doing these things. No, the blood of Jesus has made you free and given you a place to draw near that you can see the fullness of what salvation has accomplished in you. Because when you come to him, like we we're talking about with Hannah and Nate, the fruit is going to be the transformation that everyone is looking for in Hannah, but Nate might not understand that the blood of Jesus has made the way for him, right? So he just knows that he's not supposed to sin, but there's no freedom for him because he's not coming to the high priest in the same way that Hannah's coming to the high priest. And the only, the only issue is, is that the temple door is open because he, he flung that thing wide open, right? So Hannah's made the decision to come to the high priest and Jesus has saved her to the uttermost because that's what he does when you come, right? Like anytime that Jesus ever touches anything, it turns to gold, 
right? There's never, he never shows up. This is why we can't have nice things. He never shows up and things stay the same, right? He never shows up and things stay the same. But I think that this is what I mean by the boldness that we have to actually, we'll go jump to the very end. This is where we'll finish. I'm sorry. Verse 18, it says, Now where there is a remission of these things, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, everything he just said in three verses, or three chapters, four chapters, he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, which Jesus, Jesus made a way for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another even more, even much, or so much more as you see the day approaching. And all of that is, that's what I mean by, we, were, we read that the other week and it was like, we have to understand that there is boldness for us to come to God based on the blood of Jesus, whatever the issue is in your time of need. There's boldness to come when there is no need just to come and be with him and draw near in his true, with, with a true heart, right? Like Nathaniel shared in pre-service prayer, we're not coming to God based on our, our Bible reading. We're not coming to God based on our prayer time. We're not coming to God based on our fasting, our service, our ministry. We're coming to God based on the blood of Jesus. And I think sometimes, especially when we're doing things good, we come to him based on those things. And then we miss out the, the, the actual freedom that comes when we come to him based on his blood. Right? That's why when you wake up, the blood of Jesus has already been accomplished. It's accomplished what, what you need. Right? That's why you can wake up and be a son. And then when you encounter an issue, you can come to him as a high priest and he can sanctify you, transform you, and save you to the uttermost. Right? That's why when you see something in your life that's not fruitful... He's already consecrated the way into the holiest place to where you can be free. But we have to come to him. The, the choice is ours whether we come to him or not. But the, the veil's been torn and the blood's on the mercy seat and it's still speaking better things, right? Forever and always, you're marked by the blood of Jesus. You will be marked. But, if, but the freedom that we're looking for sometimes and the boldness that we're looking for has to come from an understanding of his blood and a boldness to come before him in any situation right? You find me in a situation, and this is where I was like, started to think about it, is like, <clears throat> any problem, I'm like, man, Lord, I'm so thankful that I can come to him. Like, I, I get caught in any situation, I get, I, like, something happens that comes against me, some, whatever it is, I know that I have a high priest be before me and God. Like, we're sitting here in worship, and I'm like, man, Lord, I'm thankful that when this is all over, like, I can still go home and shut my door, and you're there. And that's what I mean by, if you don't understand what the blood of Jesus has done, then that won't be the fruit of your life, right? You'll be trying to get it in this setting all the time, right? You'll be waiting for God to call you out in this setting because you can't, you can't trust that he's going to be pleased with you in that place when there's nobody around. That's why there's no boldness in our hearts. Because this is the issue is we don't believe that it was by this, by this man, by the, the, the Father God's will that he sent Jesus to accomplish this. It was his will. Jesus was fulfilling his will to bring me in. 
There's boldness when you understand that. You, there's boldness to understand that. It's based on his blood, but it was the Father's will to bring me in this place, right? He's saying, what Adam lost, Dylan, that I didn't get to have that relationship with you anymore, he goes, I'm going to send my son and accomplish that, right? So it's God sitting there. Not my, that's why I mean, when we come into the temple, the sacrifice is already on the altar. I think that we need to understand that. And I think that we need to press into it more. The blood of Jesus is something that, man, I think that, there is, I think that there's a lot more to be, to be said in that regards and a lot more for us to experience in the blood. And that's why Jesus says, like, that's why communion is so important and that's why we've been pressing into it so much is like, he's saying as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Is because we have to live a life of remembrance of what he's done or we'll, we'll let our hearts become gray and we won't have boldness before him. Does that make sense? Will you share that word? I think this was like during the, the first song that we sang or Stand in Awe was the second song. I was like, I was thinking about it. You know, we sing words sometimes like that. Like, oh, like I stand in awe. And I, and I felt like the Lord said, what are you in awe of? What are you actually in awe of? And what he took me to was Romans 8, um, 11. I'll just read it to you guys. A lot of you are familiar with it. And he said, uh, in verse, verse 11, it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And he was just asking me, and I think it was on behalf of all of us, but like, are you in awe that the God of the universe lives inside of you or not? Because through that exact same spirit that Jesus has, that Jesus had, that he still possesses, he dwells inside of man. He says, are you in awe of that? And on the, on the backside of that, Lily started to sing about the bride making herself ready and you know, getting ready for a wedding day. And I started to see this picture of like our temple, which you know, is, is kind of like a picture of the Holy Spirit living inside of our temple, our bodies. And it kind of goes off this verse, but I saw something in regards to like the spirit of infirmity specifically, and that Jesus wanted to break that power off of our lives today for certain individuals in this room. Um, and what I saw was that there's like this almost tolerating and putting up with this snake that's living inside of the house and living inside of the temple. For some, it's very small. For others, it's been, it's been getting bigger. And it's actually really, really weak. And Jesus just wants to break it off of our lives, um, specifically the spirit of infirmity. And I believe it's unto us as the bride and as the church making ourselves ready for when we do see Jesus. It's that, sa that same idea. Um, so I don't, I, I've been trying to figure out how to like respond to that. But I, I think it's honestly just breaking agreement with it um, in this room. And so I just, I wanna, I wanna pray for that real quick. Um, and if that, if that resonates with you, you know. Um, there's no sense in singling you out. But there, there's truly going to be a, a, a breaking of that agreement. There's no more power of it in your lives. And I believe, like, there's truly going to be a, uh, an experience of, of healing happen as a result of this. All right? So let's just let's pray into that real quick, okay? Yeah, you guys just close your eyes. Yeah, Father, thank you um, for just revealing to us what you're desiring in your bride and in your, your church and the one that you love um, and anything that's hindering, anything that's coming against. And I, uh, I stand in the confidence of your blood 
and what it's accomplished, um, that right now it's actually breaking the power and the agreement from the spirit of infirmity off of people's lives and off of their bodies right now in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the name of Jesus and what he's accomplished. God, we thank you that that is completely broken. It's removed, and it will have no more voice, and it will have no more influence on their lives from this day forward. Yeah, it's a pure and it's a spotless bride in Jesus' name. So we break agreement with it, totally free, totally clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. Yeah, I expect to see some some healing happen um, in regards to that right there, what Jared just prayed. Uh, <clears throat> I wanna, we're going to have Jared share a little bit about what he's doing and give you guys opportunity to give in to him. We're not going to wait till the end to say that. So Jared appreciates this. But <clears throat> uh, yeah, Jared's just, I mean, he has a heart for the nations and he has some opportunities to go. So I want to, we're going to support him as Jesus Church, but I also want to give people opportunity too. So uh, you want to share what you're doing? <clears throat> I've told a, a couple of you guys um, already, and this might be just kind of some information for everybody, just a little bit of what's going on this summer. Um, but I had the opportunity to go to do a missions training at an organization in Jacksonville, Florida called Go To Nations. And somebody that we got affiliated with and connected to back in um, like 2020, 2019 through uh, the school that we went to in Colorado. And basically their whole heart in their ministry and their organization is to support missionaries and teach them and equip them to have longevity and health on the mission field. To, like, to not go and then have to come back, but to be there long term. Um, and, and my heart truly burns for, for the nations and burns for missions. And I'm, I'm starting to see like the reason for that, especially here in this house and our family here is kind of paving the way for the future of missions coming out of this place. Because Jesus Church is not just here in DeWitt only. Like it, it is a place that is going to be influential in the whole entire world. Um, and there's going to be missionaries that are sent out of this place in the future. And I'm excited about that. And so maybe this is just an, a, a way of paving the, the way and maybe pioneering something to go forward. And so um, I'll be leaving next, uh, next week, Tuesday, to go. Um, I'm going to visit our, our friends in South Carolina, Paul and Drew. You guys know Paul and Drew from the church there. Uh, I'll spend a couple of days with them and just kind of encourage people and, and get, you know, refreshed and built up. And then I'll be in Jacksonville for about 10 days um, and then probably come back about the 1st of July. And so I'll be staying with a host family there. And it's honestly just going to be an intensive boot camp type training where it's a uh, spiritual, emotional, and physical like aptitude, making sure that each person that feels like they're called to the mission field, like you can do it. Um, and the preliminary work coming up to this has been quite intense, um, getting, getting ready for it. A lot of, a lot of questions, a lot of examination, a lot of meetings and, and things to get, uh, to get ready. Um, and so I'm very, very excited. I, I believe it's going to be cool to see the, the connections that happen as a result of this. Jacksonville, um, ironically, is a big community for Russian people, um, for the Slavic people. And so I have that on my heart right now going that there's going to be a ton of connections in regards to that with people from that, uh, from that culture and from that background. Um, so I'm really trusting the Lord with that. It's going to be really powerful. Um, and then just to be a blessing to the organization as well and, um, and support them as much as I can. So after that, I'll get back, um, probably be here for about a week or so. And then 
some of us are going to be going out to do a youth camp in uh, Oregon, um, in Southwest Oregon, somewhere that we've been affiliated with for quite some time, a really, really good friend of ours that we met through uh, school, and then now a family that's basically like a second family to us, to some of us. Like, they're, they're very supportive of Jesus Church, and we're very supportive of them, um, quite connected in that regard. And so this will be my ninth time going out there, um, and just... Some of the kids that we've worked with in the past and the fruit that we've seen is, is pretty amazing. Like true revival is happening in that, in that valley. Honestly, it's, a, it's quite amazing. So that'll be a cool, a cool trip. We'll make it back, um, celebrate Evan and Taryn's wedding when we get back. Um, and then I also have the, the potential of going on a trip to Poland in the beginning of August. And this is somebody that got, that got connected to us um, through some friends of ours out in Colorado. And... This guy, specifically in the city of Krakow, he has been desperately asking for missionaries to come to minister on the streets and do power evangelism, specifically with university students, as well as a lot of Ukrainian refugees right now. And he, like for the last two years, he's been desperately asking missionaries to come. And I heard about this back in April, and I didn't think anything of it. Um, Honestly, it was just kind of one of those things, because you have opportunities come all the time, it seems like. And you just have to pray and ask the Lord what it looks like. Well, as I started to pray about it and as I started to, like, think about it, I felt like the Lord was really highlighting the work with the Ukrainian refugees. I don't know if you guys remember when the war broke out here. We took some time and prayed into it um, and kind of interceded for it. And maybe some of you have continued to do that. And it seems like once it gets kind of put out of, out of our minds, we don't really think about it very much anymore. And I, I, I truly believe that this is like a, a way of truly being involved with the, with the um, efforts of like relief there. And he said in his email, he said, if you want to see God actually move and work, come and see and talk to these people and hear their stories. Because we're seeing incredible things happen with these refugees. And so I just, when I got that, I heard about that. I have another friend of mine that's really desiring to go. It's just been really impressed on my heart. And so we're making preparations to go already um, to do that. And so that'll be the last kind of type of thing. And then we'll come back and have uh, Josh and Lily's wedding. So many weddings and, and a lot of work to be done. And so we're, uh, we're excited for, for what God's doing this summer. So thanks, buddy. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So we, uh, so like I said, we're going to support him as Jesus Church, but you guys just make your checks payable to Jared Moffat if you want to bless him um, and then give it to him. He, uh, we're not going to receive an offering or anything today. I don't have a bucket. I mean, you can put it in a box, I guess, but yes. Um... Yeah, I think it would be okay. I mean, yeah, I would rather you just give it straight to him, if you could, um, so he can cut me out. Not me, but our finance person, which is Michelle. <coughs> yeah, she's can never, you can never get an email back from Michelle. She can, she's she's so busy, it's unbelievable. But no, um, yeah, we want we're gonna like we are already gonna support him regardless of whether, like you know, we're going to regardless, but I believe that there's some people in here that want to support what he's doing and believe in him. So, um, just get, talk to him. He's just give him money, give him the old Pentecostal handshake, um, whatever it takes. Uh, you guys know what that is, right? It's like a hundred rolled up like that. Hey, good to see you, brother. (coughs) You guys haven't had a Pentecostal handshake. Um, but, uh, also I wanted to say like, um, we want to, 
if you feel like you want to be a part of the, the one in Poland, come talk to us. We, uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to send some more people from Jesus Church. Uh, if you come talk to us, it doesn't mean that you're going to go. It just means that you'll be, have an opportunity and we'll, we'll, we'll pray about it. And um, Yeah, we're not just, like I said, if you, if you feel like you want to go, just come. We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it and we'll see, um, make sure that it's, it's a good fit. But we believe that there's some people that probably should be on that trip too. So, um, and Jared's open to take whoever. So, yeah. Other than that, bless you guys. Have a great week. We love you. Be warmed and be filled. In Jesus' name.